Hi! Hey, welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for non-Catholics, for new Catholics, those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm K. Albert Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is based on one particular idea. It began for me when a Protestant pastor I was working for asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? Well, that question led me on a deep dive into the history of my faith and why I believed what I believed, and I encountered then, for the very first time, the Catholic Church in its own words, and realized then what I thought I knew about Catholicism was based in large part on misinformation and, more often than not, on simple misunderstandings. Well, this podcast serves to fill in that same gap, the gap between what you think Catholics believe and what we actually do. Each week, I have a real Catholic conversation with a real Catholic thinker from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week, it was an absolute pleasure, an absolute joy to bring my conversation with Andrew and Sarah Swafford to you. On, On dating, relationships, chastity, and marriage, it's a fantastic conversation on on how virtue, on heroic virtue and and grit and and prayer and groundedness in your identity as a child of God is just crucial for understanding your place in all these different kinds of relationships. It's a wonderful episode. These guys are amazing people. You will absolutely love this conversation. You know, uh, years ago, I had Andrew, Dr. Swafford, on the show for a different topic entirely, and, and he had said, hey, my wife Sarah is is the brains, the, the, the operation, she's the one, you gotta talk to her. Well, this was a long time coming, and I'm glad we had it because <laughs> they are, she is incredible, and they as a couple are just amazing. Whether you are a young adult just looking you know, in that dating scene, whether you are the parent of young adults getting into that scene, or anybody who has friends and friendships and past history, hang-ups, brokenness, those kinds of things, this is, uh, I think for everybody, an absolutely incredible, life-giving conversation, and I hope you love it. This podcast, this conversation, these every single week are brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and our one-time donors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. This, guys, isn't my full-time job, and you make it possible to do this week after week and afford to do this week after week, so thank you for your support. And we have a new patron to thank. Thank you, Mark, for your generous support each and every week. We appreciate you and your and your help financially. Thank you, everyone, for your prayers, and those who are already, like Mark, supporting the show, thank you so much. Those links are in the show notes if you want to help support this show as well. And now, without any further ado, my fantastic conversation with Andrew and Sarah Swafford. It's amazing, guys. I hope you enjoy it. Please listen and do enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. If you are listening on podcast, thank you. Make sure you subscribe to this channel, uh, this this podcast. Follow it wherever you find it, please. And if you could leave a rating or a review, those help to push the podcast out to new listeners and expand the audience for conversations like this one. If you're watching on YouTube, hi, thanks for watching. Please do subscribe to this channel if you can. Like the video, leave some comments, interact, and share this with friends who might want to see this. This is going to be a fantastic 
conversation, guys. I am joined by Andrew and Sarah Swafford. They live in Atchison, Kansas. Dr. Andrew is a professor at Benedictine College in Atchison. I already said that once. I'm not going to try and say it again. (laughs) Professor of Theology. They are co-authors of a fantastic new book called Gift and Grit, How Heroic uh, Virtue Can Change Your Life and Relationships. Sarah is, uh, of course, the founder of Emotional Virtue Ministries, an international speaker on a variety of topics, faith, relationships, interior confidence. Uh, They co-host What We Believe, The Beauty of the Catholic Faith from Ascension and all kinds of other things. I'm looking at your bio those guys that really can't piece it all together. You guys do amazing things and have done awesome things. Andrew, welcome back to the show. I've had you a number of years back and I know when I had you back then, it's funny, you said, you got to talk to Sarah. She's she's even better than I am. Like, she's the brain <laughs> and the heart of the family. That. Her. You said that. That's on record. So I'm glad to have you both <laughs> back on the show. <laughs> I'm sorry I mangled your intro. You guys know this. We're waiting on the birth of our fourth child. I've got no sleep as we anticipate that. You guys also have a number of kids, including a, a, a new one uh, as well so we'll just try and muddle through this as best, as best we can sleep deprived <laughs> as i'm sure we all are but thanks for being here guys and and welcome to ba- uh, back to the show it's so great to be with you Keith. yeah thanks it's nice us. to meet you my husband raves about you equally oh, so gosh. It's, it's awesome to be with you well thank you this will require a lot of editing i think on my part of all the stupid things i'm already saying in this show. oh so. you're fine <laughs> you're that's the beauty we'll of editing we'll, god made yeah. filters and editing for yeah, us yeah absolutely exactly. for tired parents guys this is a fantastic book, and, and I want to, like, I've been, I've been paging through it the last number of weeks since I got a copy, and I was thinking of this interview coming up, and I could, we could spend the whole episode in just part one of this book, like, your, kind of, your <laughs> stories, what inspired this, so I don't know how we'll ever kind of get through this uh, in the time we have here, but I want to ask you to begin with kind of that part. What was kind of the the genesis for thinking about virtue in relationships like you guys have your own stories that kind of lead up to this uh, to kind of show the reader where you were thinking of this and why this was a thing i don't know if you can kind of truncate that or weave those together but i want to ask you and you guys can work out an answer where did this come from like where did the idea of this book and the idea of of the emphasis on heroic virtue underpinning our relationships where did that come from for you guys Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a great question. I'm so glad we have four hours to unpack yeah, all of those. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's always my joke, but I'm kind of not joking. You know, people will ask me on an airplane, so what do you do? Where are you going? And I'm like, I don't know if I could even explain it in this 45 minutes. You know what I mean? So, um, but we, you know, the short answer is this book is really probably the We've been talking about the things that are in this book for 15 years and maybe 20. We've been married 18. Uh, Some of this stuff in this book is things that we sorted out ourselves in college. And, you know, when we were talking, we love young adults. Shout out to the young adult community. And then I always say the young at heart because... (laughs) I think I'm 25. I am not. I am 40. And my children are closer in age to the college students than I am. But I will forever be big sister. And I am staying here proud. Um, and so we we just have a heart for young adults. We had our conversion in college. The first few years after college were really hard for us. Um, I mean, I, I think right now we had a heart for young adults before COVID. And now it's just like my heart just expanded for them. And it is just not easy. We thought it was hard before. And they've just been yeah. handed a whole new deck of cards and like, good luck, you know, play with these. (laughs) So I just, I really have a heart for them. So often I, uh, 
you know, again, like we hang, we live across the street from 2000 amazing college students. And so we get to hear like a lot of my friends in ministry are like, how do you know these things? I'm like my kitchen Island, literally, you know what I mean? Like I, I hear, we just hear a lot of what's like going on right now. And it's so different than even five years ago, 10 years ago. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it looks so different. And as social media evolves, as online dating evolves, as the world just continues to change and morph into new problems are also sometimes the same old problems. You know, I think some things that people 200 years ago struggled with, we still struggle with. And yet, and yet we have all these new things to struggle with. So um, that this book was really, Swaff and I kind of said, it's time to, to write down all the things that we say all the time. And that's how my book, Emotional Virtue, was born. You know, Jason Everett was like, you have to start writing this down because you can't be everywhere and people need this. And that was what this book was. It's like, man, we wish we could grab coffee coffee or, or dinner with every single person, young adult, anybody adult. And this was kind of our way of saying, like, if we were to sit down, this is kind of the, the things that we would say. And we tried to put it together together. We, we were still married through writing a book, which is amazing. I mean, I'm joking, but um, we're still married. Uh, we're very different in our approach to life because, you know, we have totally different personalities. And so I think this book is really the best of both of us. And then we massaged it in a way that we really, really want men to read this book. We really, men, we really, really want men to read this book because there's not a lot out there for them. And um, we just feel like, you know, a lot of women want them to lead in, in relationships. And a lot of guys come to us and are like, I got nothing, you know, like I want to do this, but I have no idea what she's talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Help me. And so we wrote this with the men in mind. That's why I'm so glad you like the cover. Cause we <laughs> begged for it to be masculine and beautiful. So yeah. That's fantastic, guys. You guys are you guys are fantastic. I love this. I love this. And it is you know what? That's a good way of putting that, Sarah, because it feels like you're kind of just sitting down and saying, "Here, here's what we've learned through 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 dating, through a relationship, through through interacting with other young adults, and and learning these things through through deeply loving the Catholic faith and and these kind of things. I love it. It doesn't. It feels like that kind of conversation. I think that's so important. And what you say too. I mean, I think of, so my own background is, is evangelical. I was evangelical through high school up until university. We had our conversion uh, around the time of our first, our first child was born, right? So at 2014 or so. And I can remember, like back, back then, you know, we're, we're similar ages. We're the same age. <laughs> so, and, and I can think back then, like dating was weird and confusing back then. And yeah. for me, there was this evangelical lens on top of that, which was this weird kind of, like there were some pretty, in, in hindsight, pretty toxic kind of ideas about what relationships <laughs> should be and, and the point of marriage and, uh, and, and how you should date and do, and do dating. This was the era of, of some really strange ideas. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's even stranger now. Throw in the internet and throw in online dating and throw in uh, the proliferation of, of pornography and of objectification of, of women and, and girls and, and the female body and, and sex and all these things. Like, it's even more complicated now, right? So to to give people kind of some guidance in how those things work, I mean, I love, I, I love that. And I love that, I mean, this is, as you say, an area where I think so many young Catholics are just dying for some guidance, to know how to navigate these things, how to, you know, there's a great big anchor on the front of this book, here, which I think is fantastic, right? Because that there, there's got to be, there's a need for that kind of anchoring and navigation of these, of these choppy waters, if I can pull that metaphor a bit, a bit further. So 
That that's awesome. Now, one of the things that you ground this this book in in the beginning is this idea of Shodu Viscro. I think Shodu is, is that is that okay? I have yeah, that's great. I got Shodu Polish Vizca. on my mom's side, okay? So I'm yeah, trying very hard. To, <laughs> can you unpack? Because this is really cool, and this kind of frames out a bit of this. It kind of sets the tone yeah. for things that follow. So can we explain this a little bit, Andrew? What what is oh, this idea? Oh gosh, you know, and, and there's a lot of different uh, angles because as, as you know, <laughs> we only have four hours, of, right? So. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe as a quick anecdote, in 2018, as we mentioned in the book, in spring of 2018, uh, I taught in Florence. We had our whole family over in Florence, Italy. Uh, Benedictine's got a sister campus over there, and, and we send a professor and about 50 students each semester. And I taught my class on JB2, uh, and, and I, I've taught on JB2 for a number of years now here. And our students, they think highly of him. You know, all their mentors spoke highly of him. It's like, yeah, he's great, but they don't know his human story. They don't know the background. They don't know the man. And that's been so fun. And so this this word is a Polish word that is key to his background. And basically, as a young priest, uh, 1949, he's, he's stationed at St. Florian's in Krakow. And this is under atheistic communism, right? And our students know nothing about communism, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, they weren't even, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, even JP2's death, they barely, yeah. you know, they were very young when that happened. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we think communism, well, that's when, like, we just share everything, right? It's, well, not exactly, right? I mean, uh, that, that's called Catholic social teaching, right? <laughs> this was a systematic promulgation of atheism, a, a, a distinctive sexual ethic, a, a attempt to rewrite Polish uh, Polish history in terms of severing it from its Catholic past and, and giving a charter for what the Polish future is going to be, which meant a battle over the hearts and minds of the Polish youth and sexuality, family, like all it, it was in let's just read about this and like, Oh my gosh, this sounds like today. I'm like bingo. <laughs> and so short means environment in Polish or JP preferred milieu. Um, it was a group that formed as college students around the young Father Wojtyla in this communist atheistic culture, um, and, it, and they first called themselves Radzinka, which, which meant little family. And it was this zone of freedom where they could actually be themselves, build friendships based on their faith. He took them kayaking, took them to the mountains. I mean, these students often would not exchange last names because you didn't know yeah, yeah. who you could. I mean, that, that communism was built on fear and isolation. Like, if you think you're the only one. Am I the only one who has misgivings about the public ideology? If you think you're alone, you'll be afraid and you'll conform. And that's how that's how it was built. And as he built these Shredoviscos, these people stayed in touch their whole lives. Um, I mean, we could go on and on and you on. Know, it, you know the black and white pictures of JP2, like yeah. the super fun, bougie pictures yeah. everybody loves. Um, that's when he was taking them up into the mountains, and that's why they were they were hiding, to be honest, because a lot of times I always wondered, like, he's never in clerics. He's never in his collar in those pictures. And it's because if, like, honestly, like, if he would have been caught with them, he would have been arrested, and yeah. they could have been arrested also. Yeah, illegal. So they, called, to be yeah, they called him Vujek. They called him Uncle Carol. So that he wouldn't be arrested, and that so it just gets cooler and cooler, yeah. and, and kind of crazier and crazier the more you dig. And when we were talking to the students about this, they were just yeah. like, "This is wild! How how similar it is." You know, so many young adults are looking for their father Wotiwa. They're looking for their mentors to say, "Am I crazy or are they crazy?" Because I don't feel like I fit in this, but I don't even know who to ask these questions to. And that's where we, you know, I think we're so passionate about this, about walking with people, accompanying people, because in our day and age, it's not just, it's just not an intellectual game. It's just not an emotional game. It's not just a spiritual game. It's not, it's all of it. It's a human game. It's a human game. And it's hard if you don't have all the pieces, you're going to feel confused, like 
overwhelmed, stressed, worried, anxious, like feeling like you're inadequate, like, you know, going into these insecurities of, I don't know my faith. I don't know what to say and how to act and what to do. And then I don't know how to hang, who to hang out with either. So yeah. that's why we tried to attack this like multiple headed beast that is trying to be human right now. It's well, really hard. One little anecdote, this whole thing began, he, he started this little student choir and <laughs> six of those uh, beginning choir, yeah, three marriages come out of that. Six of those people got married <laughs> to each other. And we actually, from our students in Florence, this is spring of 2018, none of whom were dating at the time, we've had three marriages come out of five of the six students who are with us. And again, you don't join us if he's going to get married. Yeah, yeah. But it sort of becomes like the side effect when you're just running toward Jesus and you're, you're just living life with meaning and purpose, which is kind of where the title came from. Um, we, we were working with meaning and grit. Like cause so many people, their lives it's like a story with no plot, right? Like when this postmodern era, this nihilistic era, it's like, what's my life all about? I mean, eventually the the prestige and the money and the sex, it's just, it's, it's all going to fall up short. It's Augustine's story. And so the longing for meaning and purpose, and that fuels us. But then we've also seen a number of people, ourselves included, it's like, yeah, I want that. They kind of get started. It's like, ah, uh, but it's, it, what happens becomes inconvenient, unpopular. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. It's like, that's where the grit piece comes in. So meaning feels grit and, and real meaning is received as gift. So that's where the title comes from, gift and grit, that these are going to be two poles that are going to kind of sustain any vocation, priestly, religious, marriage, single, what have you. Well, and Andy always says this, and I'm always like, dang, that's good. That happens a lot in our marriage where I'm like, oh, that sounded really good. Um, he's just very good-looking, intelligent man. I always say I'm not the cuter or smarter swaffer. I'm not going to argue with you. Um, but he always says, like, meaning that is self-made is no meaning at all. And we watch young adults try to manipulate and like try to just like, I'm just going to be this because I want to be this or I want to succeed and I'm just going to like grit it out and just do this. And they get like, we watch them just put themselves in knots trying to create meaning in their lives. And that's where the gift part came from is like, no, your life is a gift from God. And when you start to see that everything is gift and that you're a gift and you live in that confidence as a daughter of God or as a beloved son of God, then you realize that the meaning of your life is to give your life away as a gift. And do you have the grit to do that? Because that is the entire interplay of life. I mean, you're, you're a new, you're a dad. Like there are so many days where your vocation, the pre, we have so many priest friends. There is nothing glamorous about being in your vocation, like day in and day out. Like there's, there's, it's glamorous, but it's different. It's, it's beautiful and it's sacrificial and it's wonderful. But a lot of times I think we, you know, we see things we want and we're like, oh, it's so, just so amazing. And then they get there and they're like, what the, what did I just sign up for? I am out. Like I, you know, and we've been walking with these young adults for 15 years. And so we've seen, you know, I, I'm old enough to have girls that I walked with have three kids now. And I'm like, oh, how am I old enough for them to have three kids? Why do I have six kids? You know what I mean? So like we've been walking this road and we don't want to set people up to fail. And the world sets them up, sometimes sets them up to fail. And sometimes even in our church, you know, that, you know, you walk into to with rosy colored glasses. I'm just like what this is going to be like as in your vocation. And it's beautiful and wonderful, but it's not always easy. And it's not always glamorous. And we're wanting to make sure we set people up to succeed, which is where this gift and grit really comes in is, is really having this whole picture before walking into, into your life. Yeah. I, that's fantastic guys. I love this. I'm thinking back on my, on my time. So I was, okay. I was in university evangelical. I knew a lot of Catholics. One Catholic guy in my, in my course befriended me and took me to mass a few times. And, and I watched 
his life and the life of other Catholics that I knew look not different whatsoever to secular lives of many. You know, myself and evangelical friends, we were, we were practicing as best we could chastity. And we were dating, uh, you know, very carefully, knowing that our, our, our lives and our, our, our bodies and ourselves were a gift to others, and that wasn't to be just given out randomly, right? We were very intentional. And I mentioned before, there, there were also weird ideas out there of dating in those uh, back then, even for, you know, Christian world writ large. Mm-hmm. But time and again... A lot of the Catholics I saw, you know, on campus and different things, didn't look that different from from secular society. And now that I now that we're Catholic, looking at raising Catholic kids and around Catholic families with with lots of Catholic kids and around Catholic young adults, I can see the need for defining that meaning in your life, right? Recognizing, as you say, first of all, that you are a gift, right? Your vocation is a gift. Everything you you, you do in life is given to you as a gift and to give to others, right, in service. And that that requires this grit to kind of do that, to kind of carry that out. Can we unpack that grit piece a bit more? Because I don't think it's just that kind of, oh, just try harder kind of thing, no. is it? Right. Yeah. No, yeah, go off. We, we wrote about this very clearly because the culture has grit. You know, the culture loves to like, yeah. um, I'm going to, be amazing for myself. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm going to grit it out for myself. And that's like total opposite of what we're talking about. We're talking about like this heroic supernatural grit that is like only from God, literally the mother, the mother that's up at four in the morning, who's been up every hour. And then the kid vomits. It's like, this is supernatural at this point. You know what I mean? Like babies are cute. So you don't throw them out the window. Right. Like I'm kidding, but like, you know what I mean? Like the, the moms and the dads that are just like, you know, going on the six month teething baby, you know, it's just like, it's so hard. Or even the the young adults, the single young adults that are 32 and are like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done being Catholic. I'm bitter. I'm, I'm just anxious. I've tried all these, you know, I want a vocation and I'm done. And so I'm just going to settle and I'm going to just go sleep with this guy or this girl. Cause I'm so tired of being alone. It takes supernatural grit to stay in the game. It takes supernatural grit to stay close to Christ when you're ready to be done with the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. The concept in, 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 in some ways is inspired by Father Walter Shizik uh, and his story, the great uh, Jesuit missionary to communist Russia. And it, it you know, and, and I think one of the key things, so it's, you're right. It's not the stoic, uh, just pick yourself up by the bootstraps. And that kind of grit has gotten secular traction. It's like that can take you somewhat, but that's not what we mean. Um, it's really seeing your whole life in light of faith and seeing even now there's some situations obviously we should get ourselves away from immediately whether it's abuse or things like that right but there are other situations where gosh this just doesn't seem as um glamorous as i thought it would it seems a little more onerous than i thought it would i'm not feeling like the mvp of my team like i thought i would (laughs) and some of those it's sort of like um so chiswick uh if you know father or you know um, St. Ignatius Loyola, his uh, discernment of spirits, uh, overcoming desolation, his rule five is really, I mean, just old fashioned wisdom, but it goes a long way. And it's this, that in a time of desolation, when you're feeling down, you're feeling far from God, never make a spiritual change. Some changes you should make, but but that's not the time of clear, sober decision-making. That's the time of the lie. And so, and with Chiswick, um, 
you know, he ends up spending 15 years in a Siberian communist prison camp. And ironically, it's only there that he's able to kind of exercise priestly ministry. And he might have been like, gosh, why did I ever? And it's a long story how he gets there. But like, what? My life's a joke. What was I thinking? Why did I do this? And he just never does that. And he's like, he sees his time there mysteriously as a gift from the Lord that he would never have chosen for himself. But he sees in that moment that really his his task is to be faithful to what the Lord has given him to embrace, accept, and offer back as a holy sacrifice. It's like, gosh, if he can do that in a communist prison camp, I can do that as a dad of a young kid, a young child. Or, or I mean, there's lots of situations where I think we're prone to throw in the towel too soon. And again, there's some situations where we need to say, this is not good. I need to get out of here for various reasons. Mm-hmm. But there's others where it's like, okay, it's not what I would have chosen for myself. But if I see it in light of faith, can I embrace, accept this, and offer it back as a holy sacrifice? I think here's the key to heroic virtue. Can I do it consistently and with joy? Not begrudge. I mean, because yeah. that makes all the difference. Am I just going to like moan and pout and and um, make my life miserable for my family? Yeah, can't like, I, we we both done that. Like oh, yeah, I, yeah. I wrote, we wrote that chapter together. We were like, "Hi, I did not uh, joyfully sacrifice through that season. Oh, it was yeah. ugly." Yeah, but I, I think our Lord speaks about anxiety so much, and, and a lot of people are like, "Gosh." And there's different kinds of anxiety, but just the run of the mill anxiety in my life, when I've been so overcome with my concerns, my issues, my worries, I might be physically in the same room, but I'm not present. And so I think where our Lord's coming yeah. from is it paralyzes our ability to love and get outside of ourselves. So I think the heroic grit, the supernatural grit is even in the midst of those trials, can I still love joyfully even there? Can I not just be a summer Christian, but a winter one too? Yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. And I can think too of, you know, in my life, those those times of struggle, I can think of times uh, in, in university where I've gone through some serious relational relationship issues, right? Or as you say, as a, you know, getting older and raising kids and going through the, those late night struggles and all the kids are sick and throwing up and you're like, I can't do this anymore. Or I'm particularly mm-hmm. bad at waking up in, in, in the nighttime, which is horrible for being a dad with young kids. But my I, I wake up and I'm always disoriented. I don't know where I am. And I'm always like, Oh, every single time, just my wife crazy. I'm try, I'm trying to. I don't know how to fix that because it's my natural. My first awake moment is like, where am I? What's going on? And you know, for many many years now, this is the case. Anyway, so I'm I'm working on that. But I can think of those times of struggle that require that supernatural grit, right? That require that prayer and pushing through, and you know, and going to mass when you don't feel like it because you know you're receiving supernatural grace to help you go on there, and, and you know, praying the rosary on your knees, struggling through those times, you know, in prayer, calling on Christ, and those are often you look back, and those are often such fruitful times for for the spiritual life, right? That's what I have I have found time and again. That's almost those almost act as kind of like a pressure cooker for your spirituality. Is that do you guys agree with that? I'm, I'm oh yeah, just saying things. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's totally true. And I think one thing I, I add to, and um, I, I hate what I hear you saying is there's a, partly a need to be patient with ourselves and patient with the Lord because you know how are we measuring ourselves? Like, gosh, I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm not as productive as I want to be. And it's like yeah, no, yeah. slow down. Let let the Lord be your evaluating yeah. Uh, yeah. schema, and uh, maybe you know, like it's it's not about the productivity. Sometimes, like what is heroic, even like prayer. I mean, I remember going to a, a, a priest early on in uh, confession, early into marriage, and I'm like, I'm not praying as much as I used to. I'm not, you know, because my life, my situation had changed. And he Little just babies. he just said, Hey, that man's <laughs> dead. That man doesn't exist anymore. It's I mean, in other words, there's a balance between you know, just to be complacent. But also, it can't be like spiritual self-aggrandizement 
because of just how like I want my program because I feel so good about myself. Like sometimes like be patient with the Lord and patient with ourselves that what does it mean to be heroic now? And it might be less productive even on multiplying the devotions than maybe it was when you were single, but it might be all the more heroic and fruitful, like you're saying, because of what the Lord's doing in and through those circumstances in us. And we can't even, can't always feel that, but it's there. Yeah. And that's part of this book is trying to help young adults. You know, if you're in a, in a season of singleness or even young adults that are in a season of, of, you know, where young, you know, young families or even adults who are looking back and going, oh, yeah, like I, I this applies to me, even if I'm not 20. And then also a lot of them have children that are going through those hard times. And it's like, how do I help them get through this? So it really, you know, people keep asking us like demographic and it's like, yeah, we wrote it for young adults. Um, but my 63 year old mom read it in 36 hours and loved it. So like, you know, it's just kind of like you, you just have to kind of see, take what's helpful. There's gems, you know, like there's a chapter on dating. That doesn't mean that even if you're like, well, I've been married 10 years, it's like, that's okay. Like, you know, that might be some gems you grab for your young adult friends that are, you know, your other friends that are single, but there's stuff in there for everyone. Cause this is human dysfunction it's hard like and we're the first we start with our stories because it's like hi dysfunctional one and dysfunctional two you know like we we've been there we've done it we've we're doing it like we wrote a lot of things in here that are like we're struggling with that right now ourselves and so it just it really was kind of one of those books where I don't know if we'll ever be able to like do it again. Cause it's like our whole heart on a platter. And it's like, it's, I, we keep joking that we have nothing else to say. You know what I mean? We're kidding, but we're like, this is like literally what we've been talking about for 15 years. Yeah. And we just pray that it blesses people in, in all the seasons of their life. And we really hope people read it together with other friends and with other um, family members or whatever. Cause I think it's, it, it's a great conversation worth having this book. If that makes sense. I love it. I love it. Let's do friendships. Okay. So you're sitting down with some young adults on coffee and I know the importance you guys know the importance of friendships and those crucial, those crucial years too, right? When you need, when things are kind of adrift, you've maybe left home for the first time. You are, you're in a new place. There's all kinds of new, I mean, you can, you can choose for the first time kind of what you want to do with your free time, where you want to go, who you want to befriend. It's almost like a blank slate in, in some, you know, well, I guess you, th- you often think it's a blank, blank slate, but you still have those same hangups and things that you, you bring uh, to a new, new environment. But the, the importance of, of friendships, the importance of friendships in those years, and like you say just now, like the importance of friendships for everybody in all stages of life <laughs> is important. What would you say over coffee to kind of begin? And you have awesome advice again in, in, you know, in the book, and, and it's unpacked uh, more in depth there, of course. But what would you say just to kind of maybe scratch the surface about, about good Catholic friendships, how to, how to have those and, and the importance of those, I guess? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I, I think they're... In many ways, they're everything at every stage in life. So we, we um, even you know now we've got a kind of a prayer group um, that, that we get together once a month uh, intentionally, you know, and we other times as well. But I think a place, the, the couple things that kind of pulls that come together, and, and we like to talk about availability, um, availability, vulnerability, and accountability. Um, available, you got to spend time together. You can't, I mean, you know, we have friends all over the country and, 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 and there's some friends where you pick up right where you left off, but there's a sense in which if you're going to not just like catch up with that person, but actually be in their lives, be a part of their lives, you got to spend time together. Vulnerability, a place to be real, right? So Catholics, sometimes, um, you know, we can talk ecclesial politics, like at sports scores and, and just shoot the breeze. And we're not really sharing life. So is there a place where I can go to not have to perform 
um, where I can be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you joke about your high and your low. So one of the things we do with our, our, our um, prayer group is each couple goes around and shares their high and their low of the month. Uh, because those are, th- those are things, as you like to say, you don't share the Catholic potluck because you don't want to brag and you don't want to air your dirty laundry. But w- where can you like fully be real? And then accountability, like virtuous friendship, the key is it's about something. It's not just running at each other, but you're actually pursuing a goal together. And just like a team is united in the pursuit of victory, virtuous friends are really most like your friendships are as deep as the good that binds you. So what is what is the good that draws us together? If that's Jesus Christ, if that's eternal life, if that's sharing in the resurrection right now, if that's our Catholic faith. That's going to deepen those friendships. So uh, and that, that gives you a context for what does it mean to love that friend? It's to help them get to their goal. And that might mean on occasion that you have the guts to share the hard truths with that. And, and nobody wants to hear that. But like, whereas if you don't have that sense of we're going to a goal, then what does love mean? Hey, you do you. If that's what you want, you do you. It's like, no, no, you do you informed by truth, faith, and virtue. And now we're talking. Now we're talking. So I think any stage in life, um, you're going to be, you're going to become like those that you surround yourselves with and who, and even have those like in your life that you want to be like, I want to be like that. But like, who, who are your peer heroes? Like that's going to, especially as a, as a, you know, adolescence and college. And, but I mean, really your whole life, like you need, you know, more is caught than is taught. You got to see it in action, not just like as an idea, but like, how do I live the way? Yeah. And the other thing that we like to tell people is like, this is going to take effort. You know, we start, I think that there's this like part of people that are like, Oh, like these good friends are going to find me. Like they're, they're going to find me at my, in my cubicle at work. You know what I mean? They're going to find me at the grocery store. It's like, no, probably not. And, and I hate saying that because I think it's like, like they're not already stressed out enough. You know what I mean? It's like everybody from 18 to 35, you know, the meme I love the best is Jesus' greatest miracle that he had 12 friends in his 30s. You know, like I, I still think that that is like one of the best memes of all time. Um, but like, what did he do? Like, I, I mean, taking Christ, for example, like he went somewhere, he was in the streets, he was, you know, he was out and he was inviting people. So we call it the power of the invite. And so, you know, I, you know, if, if people know the temperaments, you know, I'm choleric sanguine. So I am like, you know, queen of the planning the party, you know, like those are two of my favorite things to do is plan the party. So, I mean, you need some people in your life that are going to get you out of, you know, out of the house, out of, you know, out, out of your normal way. And you might have to be that person sometimes. And that might not be your personality at all. You know, I had one guy one time tell me, he's like, yeah, like, I just used to stand outside after church and see who else was my age. And like, will I go to brunch or something? Like literally just start asking people to brunch. (laughs) And then it became this like really cool thing where a bunch of them would go to brunch. And then social media hit and people started just texting each other where they were going to go. And there was a whole group of people that got left out because they were waiting back at the church and no one invited them. And that makes me like physically sick. Like it makes me so sad because I'm like someone's future husband is sitting in the parking lot because you guys didn't invite everyone because you started texting or put it on social media and those people got left out. So like there's just parts of me that's like, you guys, this is going to take some effort. You're going to have to like walk up to someone at a young adult event, at a young, you know, at church, at, you know, something, I love YCP, like young Catholic professionals. I love, you know, young adult groups that get together because it's literally just a flag that's like, we're here, we're cool, 
we're trying not to be awkward, but we really want to get together and hang out. This is not a dating session. This is a friend session. Please, let's not keep it awkward. You know, like we've begged people, you know, we know it's hard because people want to meet their spouses, but this has to be a friendship thing first, because a lot of times you might be hanging out with a group of people where you're like, I'm not probably going to marry any of these people because they're like, I don't have that God chemistry timing thing going here with this group of 10. But guess what? That guy's brother is great. So you should probably ask for, you know, them to keep inviting people, them to keep inviting people. And then all of a sudden you have a group of, you know, 20 or 30. And it's like, wow, there are some people here that are amazing, but they might not be your core five that you're going, you know, that you're with all the time. Please have that core, but keep inviting people in and keep putting yourself out there. And I know that we are asking some people to like, that is literally like moving mountains. And that's so hard to do, but I promise you, you won't, you won't regret it. And it's worth the effort to have friends. And I'm saying that also to the young adult parents out there who are like, I can barely brush my hair, let alone (laughs) like having friends, you know, like it's so hard. But that was my one regret. Our one regret from like first five years of marriage was we we were in transition. We were moving. I think we moved six times in the first five years and because of grad school and just life. And we were we always would say we're not going to be here long enough to have friends. And then it was just such a, it was such a sad, lonely time having all these little kids and just like, I literally made friends with the lady at the post office. You know what I mean? Like I'd go see Lola cause she was like my only friend. Like what? You know, like I needed really good Catholic friends during that time. And it was me and it was him who were like, we're too busy. We're too, it, we're just in transition. Yeah. So we literally at any, at any time we can tell young people, young adults, I don't care where you are in your age. I, I don't care if you're listening to this in your fifties and sixties find a couple to go out with once a month and share life with, and it'll just bring so much joy to your life and it's worth the effort. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I love that. I love that. And I, it, it's so true. We've moved here about a year ago now to a new city after 20 years where we were, we, we've moved and you know, making friends was this kind of scary thing for us. We're both kind of introverted and lucky for us. There was some, you know, a, a, a group, a core group of families with kids around our same ages who were doing a brunch thing at their house and invited us over and just welcomed us into this amazing Catholic community. And we're like, you know, and we, you realize quite quickly the importance of being plugged into friendships like that, right? We're so yes. grateful that that, that that happened for us. We would have been lost otherwise. But yeah, you know, at all stages, the importance of that. And I think yep. so important that there are people making space like that in the young adult community, right? Whether it's other young adults, whether it's people like you guys opening up your house and inviting in and facilitating those things. Like that's, that's so crucial to, to form those friendships. And I think to, so that you can find other people who, who, who do life like you, other Catholics who are serious about this, right? That isn't always easy to find. You end up finding people who, have some interests that you like, but but aren't aren't practicing Catholics. So you know that that rubs off on people, right? That the the faith that resonates, right? That helps you to to iron sharpens iron. I guess is what I'm trying to say in yeah, a horrible no, way, right? But you it's need exactly those, right. those those Catholic friendships to spur each other on, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. Especially as the kids come of age. I mean, this, this group's been transformative for our kids. Yeah, one thing we mentioned in the book is uh, I think there's a need to be open to letting the Lord surprise you. I mean, like, cause it's, we've all had friendships where it's like, you know, I didn't think at first glance that we would click cause our, maybe our backgrounds are different, but and you look at the apostles, like they are very like Simon the zealot and Matthew, the text collector mm-hmm. should not be hanging out, Molly right? crew. but like in Christ, something deeper is there. And, and you might be surprised that 
what kind of friendship could unfold and develop that you didn't see at first glance. So whether it's that could be with a spouse, but especially these friends groups, I think it's easy, as you said, to just hunker down if you're you're three or four and not branch out. And I think there's you're missing out and, and you're missing out on, on the Lord, maybe surprising you uh, and you're missing out on maybe what you could do for somebody else. Um, I, yeah, there's just, that's just something that we've seen a lot. Um, yeah. It was true of us. So in college we had our conversions like, Oh, you're breathing. You love Jesus. Let's be friends. Right. Cause uh, <laughs> it was a different time. And mm-hmm. I think there's a danger, whether it's looking for a spouse or with friends of being too picky for the wrong reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. We talk about that in the book a lot because we, you know, we, we always say like there's non-negotiables, right? I think everybody knows like the non-negotiables, but we've we've ministered to enough people where the, like literally the girl's like, well, he's like not six foot and he's a Cubs fan. So like I and I'm a Cardinals fan, so we can never work. And it's like, okay, well, maybe God wants you to be a split house Cardinals Cubs. It's going to be fine. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we just kind of say like you sometimes people and truthfully, this is a whole nother podcast, but you know, social media has done great damage to this because what used to be first impressions were at a restaurant, at a bar, at, you know, at a, at a Knights of Columbus dance. I swear everyone's grandparents met at a Knights of Columbus dance. You know, your first impressions were their personality, their, you know, their looks, like they were the common interests. You got to like hear from them what they're about. Yeah. Social media has thrown a really interesting curveball because you're seeing people, you're seeing the profiles, you're reading about them and you're making assumptions before you've ever met them. And it changes a lot the way that friends interact. I always say you can learn more about someone on a a date with like a group date with like 10 of your guy friends, 10 of your girlfriends hanging out than you will on three first blind dates or three first dates because you're seeing how they interact with the opposite sex. You're seeing how, I mean, there's like so much you can learn by observing and it's really interesting. I think people have a lot of stereotypes and biases and, and pre like assumptions on other people before they've ever met. And that's with friendships too. It's like, Oh, like they're, you know, they're, they're not my type friendship wise. It's like, why, you know, you, have you ever even talked to them, you know? So it's just really trying to open people up to it's okay. If they're the same height as you, it's going to be okay. You just don't wear heels, right? Like it's okay. If you're even like in a different city, because you know, you can drive and meet up. It's okay that they're not part of your, like, you know, big three, big four people, they might, these people might introduce you to them. And so you said it best. And, you know, my heart just kind of like got so happy when you said that this young couple, these young couples invited you to brunch. Like it is all about the power of the invite. And, and I joke, you know, we, we joke that we, we joke that we want, we have parties called find your spouse at my house. And literally I feel like it is the duty of some of us young, like I call myself young married couples, married couples that have already met their spouses and have kids. Like it is on us to help our young adult friends find their spouses. Like I'm, I'm, this is my plea to every, you know, couple out there that's happily married. Like look at the people around you and make friends with people that are, you know, kind of in a different state as you and, and really help them to find their people. It might just be, Hey, like my babysitter, she's awesome. And the guy that cuts your grass is awesome. You know, your mowing guy, like, like help them find each other. He's Catholic. She's Catholic. They're awesome. Let's have a party and invite all our cool Catholic friends over because you don't know what's going to happen. And it might not be those two, but it might be her sister and her brother I mean, how many times have our grandparents, I mean, my, my grandma was like, well, I was on a date with this other guy, but your grandpa was cuter. So we just switched. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Like, why can't it be that easy anymore? Uh, so we're trying to help again. Don't give up. Please don't give up. And if you're happily in your vocation, please help out. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's 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 wonderful. My wife and I are the same height, so she can't wear heels. And you know what? It's okay. Fourteen years. My parents are the same height. Fine. She wore ballerina slippers yeah. on her wedding day. It's fine. It's fine. It's, really it's, fine. it's working out. Okay, <laughs> let's let's talk explicitly about dating then. And I think for me, something so important that I think looking at the the wider world and how secular dating happens and how I mean the whole the tenor of the whole world these days, chastity in dating and the importance of that. It's not a very popular or fun topic. I got to say though too that so many like adult converts to the Catholic faith like myself will be attracted to the Catholic faith through messages of, of chastity, right? And, and, and sexuality and things like natural family planning. I can't imagine, I can't tell you the number of people I've talked to on this show, converts, who those are the things about the church as older adults that have been like, oh, wow, like the church teaches this? I, I love that. What else does the church teach? Right? Versus so, I mean, your 16-year-old so, self, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So not going to hook in necessarily like the, the, the teens and adults, but but that stuff is is amazing, like in its in the whole scope of it. But let's do let's do dating and chastity. Where where do you begin to kind of to frame that for the Catholic young adult who's like, okay, how do I how do I date and and what's cha- and why is chastity important? Because that's, yeah. that's a big topic. Yeah, well, you know, and I think you were alluding earlier. You mentioned you know Catholics and others and the kind of secular hookup culture, and then maybe the Joshua Harris dynamics of, uh, right. So the kind of polls of like, you know, guys and girls don't talk to each other and it's, there's a hookup culture. And, and, and even, yeah, I, I've done surveys with my students for years now. And, and it would just talking to people anecdotally that they're sometimes implicitly is received a message that don't, 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 don't. And the implicit message is, is sex is like dirty or bad or hush, hush. And, and even when they get married, they have a, like a psychological hard time, like switching gears. Oh, now it's good. And, and it's like to really communicate the, the goodness of the, and this is what's so beautiful about our Catholic faith, uh, the goodness of the body, the goodness of sex, the reasons behind why we teach what we do. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's important that that, at least with parenting, especially getting that across, but with, with the dating scene, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, they, we have the chapter on can men and women be friends, right? And, and, and I think to this issue, some are going to say, no, you don't be friends, and then you just court when it's time to get married. And it's like, you know, or you do friends with benefits and other crazy stuff, right? It's like, no, we need to be around each other. Men and women need to learn how to be themselves around each other. Um, this sets up a context for, even if you're going to become a priest or religious, like you're going to find people throughout your life that you might find attractive. Like, how are you going to deal with this in a healthy way um one of my favorite chapters in the book is chapter 12 this is why it's always hard because like we always beg people to read the whole book because sometimes the like best parts of a book are at the end but you have to like build a foundation to get to them and chapter 12 is what does sex have to do with the spiritual life and um it's a little provocative in some ways but um it was definitely in there for a reason and it's it's chapter 12 for a reason like the ending of the book is really how does all of this play with my relationship with God? And I think that that's a big question for a lot of young adults. Cause it's like, what does God and sex, they don't even go in the same sentence. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Or just like, like my pain and my wounds, like we have, a, you know, just how to get through, you know, okay, fine. I have this whole set of baggage and wounds and, and even the way I think about things is wounded. And the way that I perceive things in myself is wounded. And so kind of like looking at all of that within your relationship with God. And, um, and it's, it's kind of been a joke for a long time for me, you know, like I, 
literally I, I will walk. Okay. So I've been doing this for 15 years, ministry with young adults and high schoolers. And I will walk into a high school with a thousand kids and I'll park my car. I'll go to the office. I'll put the visitor badge on, you know, sign in and I'll turn around and there's like a picture of me on the wall of the school. And it's like Sarah Swafford, 2 PM gem chastity speaker and I'm like shoot me someone shoot me like why like please make me a little bit cooler you know like here I am the chastity speaker can't wait to entertain you for 48 minutes at 2 p.m so I mean like it's one of those things where you know it, it is really hard to talk about a lot of people just like don't talk about it but we, I mean, Jason Everett, we love Jason and Jason is a huge part of why I do ministry. Cause he made me and he begged me. And I said, and he said, he's like, people ask him, why do you talk about chastity? Why is your ministry so chastity heavy? And he looks at people and he says, because I believe it is the number one thing that keeps people away from the church. And I believe it's the number one thing that keeps people away from God. And I, I think so often I can sit here and be like, uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in some way or another, whether it's woundedness, confusion, um, you know, like trying to figure out how they fit in this world of the church with their, you know, with their sexuality, T.O.B., all of that stuff. It it is a huge barrier to Jesus for a lot of people. And so, you know, being able to walk through and sort through that stuff with a 13 year old, 14 year old, 15 year old, 16 year old doing all that heavy lifting when you're in junior high and high school and like, you know, and a lot of times I tell them, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not Debbie Downer. I'm not Betty Buzzkill. I'm not here to ruin your life. I'm not here to tell you how to live. I am here because you've been fed a lot of lies and I want there to be at least one voice. So you can be like, what did that crazy blonde chick from Kansas say when you're like in college trying to sort this stuff out? I'm trying to just give you a third way, another way to play the game. And by the end of it, like, I think they, they want to hate me. Like they really do. They want to hate me. And then at the end they're like, Dang it. She makes too much. She sounds like my mom the cooler. I'm like, yes, that's what I wanted to, you know. But they but they can't they hear things that they can't unhear. Yeah. And they see things that they can't unsee when I throw up quotes and when I when I share my story and share my heart and I'm just like pleading with them to just think about it. You know, like literally I'm throwing ideas out just like the world and the culture is throwing ideas out. It's your choice, it's in your hands to play how you want to live this. And that's what this book is too. It's like, look. You can play this game a lot of different ways, but there's a lot of heartache at the end of a lot of these, these paths. And so we're just trying to show you a couple different routes that you can take. And I think it's freeing for people because they go, dang, I thought I just had to play the game. Yes. And, and the game is, is hard to play and it's even harder to play without God. And so I think that it's really important for people just to see this is chastity is not meant to be this great. No. And again, just like take away your fun, take away your joy, take away your life. Chastity is a great yes. And it's a great yes to a, a freedom and a truth and a beauty and a goodness that only the world, only that the world can't give and only the Lord can give. But, but getting a young adult to like walk that path with you, it's, it's hard. It takes time. It's exhausting. I mean, sometimes it's the whole, like, you know, Pope John the 23rd, he was like, it's your, it's your church, Lord, I'm going to bed. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> we're going to give it as much as we can, but then people have to pick it up and run with it. And so just trying to put it out there for them is kind of the goal. Andrew, you were right. She's really good. <laughs> I, I, told you. I talk too much. I know. We always oh, all these things I, and I'm like, oh gosh. As we say in the States, I married up. <laughs> no, I know. I married, no. God knew we have to Canada too, right? 
I agree. That's awesome. I love that. You know what? And that's so important as that counter narrative to what the, the world presents to say, hey, you don't have to play this game. Here's the game we're playing here. And you mentioned yeah. too, Sarah, the end that that game over there, the world game, that ends in a lot of heartache. That's gonna mm-hmm. that's gonna hurt you, right? Here's our game. There's gonna be hurts as well in our version and, yes. and maybe more immediate hurts for you, right? But the end goal is is living the way that Christ intended us to live, oriented toward eternity, right? It's yes. gonna be harder up front, but it's gonna it's gonna pay off in the end because that you'll be living the life that was was made for you. I love that. And funny enough, this is kind of random, but when I asked, I had Jimmy Aiken from Catholic Answers on the show years ago and talking about why people don't become Catholic. And he said, look, all this apologetics aside, theology aside, like doctrine, dogma, Mary and the saints, these things that people don't like about being Catholic, it's sex. He said it's sex that people don't, you know, because they have this distorted view of what the Catholic Church understands sex to be with rules and all this and all these no's, right? And that's why they want to be Catholic. It's because sex. And I thought, (laughs) right, and and the more I talk to people like you guys, I'm like, you know what? He was right. Like, he was right. That's what, that, that's at the end of the day what people are going to say, you know know what? I don't want anything to do with this because they're telling me these things I don't, that I can't do, right? I think that's so interesting. Well, it's the devil's favorite playground as well. Well, so, I mean, he's going to poke into old wounds and it's just, he loves sneaking in there, you know, and he loves twisting the truth. Yeah. So it's, it's really muddy and messy. Yeah. As I joke with students uh, teaching on like moral life and prudence, stuff like that. I'm like, you know, if your reason is at odds with your passions, you got one of two options. You can conform your passions to right reason, or you can cook up some good reasons to justify doing what you want to do, which is the way of uh, the human condition and original sin. Like that's what we do. Right. I mean, so yeah. passions, desire, all of us so often leads uh, the train. Yeah, that's fantastic, guys. This is an awesome book and an awesome conversation. I'm grateful for for your time, guys, and listeners are going to love this, I think. I'll put links to the book in the show notes, but you guys both do tons and tons of things, so I don't know where you want to point people towards to follow or find those things. Uh, I can't possibly, even in your intro, introduce you guys properly because you got a lot going on. Oh, no, and it's awesome fine. stuff. So so where do you want to point them towards? And I'll put links to these things too yeah, in the show we notes. We just recently made the website, theswaffords.com because um, it's really cool. You know, we've been doing a lot of stuff together since COVID because we were we were quarantined together, you know. So, um, so people would be like, hey, like, can you both come on? And we're like, yeah, as long as my 15-year-old will take care of the children. Yeah, we'll come. So, um, so yeah, we have loved doing things together. We love doing things individually. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that SWAF does with Ascension, you know, with the Bible and just all that neat stuff is there. I love doing emotional virtue. I love doing dating relationships. And then our new book is there as well. So theswafords.com, there's a store there and you can get all of our stuff there. And we even can personally sign that stuff because it's from our house. So a lot of people like to give them as gifts or like personalize them. And we love doing that for people. Um, these books make great gifts. And I always say, a lot of people say, like, I bought one for myself and then I bought one because I knew I was going to give it away. And that, I really love that because I think a lot of times, or a lot of people are like, hey, I had to buy another one because I gave my copy away. That's usually what happens too. So, so yeah, please, you know, share it. I think there's a lot of people that'll read it and go, I really want my significant other to read this or my brother, sister, friend. Um, and then you'll have someone to really chat with about it because that's, it's a book that's great for yourself, but then you're kind of like, I need to decompress this with someone or I need an accountability partner or I just need someone to be vulnerable with. So yeah, we really wrote it so people, there's discussion questions yeah. in the back so you can really kind of like chat about it or do it in a group. Because I think, I think if a group is reading that together and discussing it, it can start to form their own short of East Coast. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're not wrong. I was already thinking of who I can give this book to next. After I finished reading, I'm like, okay, who else would want? want Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. So (laughs) before you mentioned that, I was already thinking through who's going to get this next. So. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for having us. And we love hanging out with you. Thanks for all you do. Having a podcast is not easy. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of (laughs) editing and all the things. And so thank you so much for doing what you do. We appreciate it. Thanks guys. Thanks for being here. And we pray for your wife. Thank you. And once again, God bless you guys. I know. I know. I'm already tired. So I, what, <laughs> it can't get worse, right? You know, you can't, That's right. It's a gift. We're tired. It's good. It's good. Oh. Seasons in life. Yeah. Baby snuggles oh, are worth it. Baby snuggles are worth it's, it. That's it's my favorite it. stage, I think, it like is. so far. I mean, we've an eight-year-old, so we, we've got yet a ways to go before we, there are other stages. But right now, favorite stage. I love oh, it. Oh, I love it. Well, enjoy it. You deserve it. Thanks, guys. God bless you guys. The work you're doing for the church. It's awesome. And thank you for being here, guys. Yeah. God bless. God bless you. <laughs> wow guys wow i hope you love that conversation andrew and sarah if you can't see them I mean, this is also on youtube so youtube.com slash the cordial catholic to watch what you're just listening to if you want to see their faces and their smiles and their joy that, that absolutely lovely couple real pleasure to speak to them and this this is true so we th- this book came out and i and i got it uh, uh, a couple months ago, but they couldn't do any interviews at the time because Sarah was just giving birth to their seventh child. So, so uh, this was fabulous. A great conversation, a bit of a long time coming, and I'm so happy that we had this conversation. Hopefully you loved it too. Let me know. Reach out. CordialCatholic at gmail.com is our email address for your feedback. Please do send some. Let me know what you think of this conversation. Love to hear from you. TheCordialCatholic.com is our website. We're on Twitter. We're on Threads. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok at Cordial Catholic, on Facebook The Cordial Catholic, and we're on YouTube as well. Check us out there. I mentioned that earlier. If you are listening on Spotify or an Apple Podcast or a couple more platforms now are, are adding these ratings and reviews, can you just pause the podcast? Just pause it, leave a rating or review. Those written reviews as well, they go, go a long, long way into helping to push the podcast out to new people. Seriously, people looking for a new podcast will see, oh, this podcast has this many reviews, this many stars. They'll read through the reviews. I do this same thing you may also do the same thing too that really helps to encourage people to check out the podcast and express the message and the mission of this whole thing guys so thank you support us financially and with your prayers as well those links for your financial support are in the show notes paypal and patreon and guys do pray for me i'm praying for you to talk to you again next week take care and god bless This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcathy. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.